0: You're listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 19, your Bible, your smartphone, whatever whatever you got. We're, we're continuing our summer series in the Psalms. Um, so Psalm 19, go ahead and... Open up there. I'm trying to give you a chance to, to get there. Um, Psalm 19. Are we there? All right. I'm, we're just going to dive right in. I want to I want to read this for you. This is a it's a beautiful song written by David, uh, who was the the king of Israel, who used to be a shepherd. We all know the kind of the backstory of David, or most of us. And and so this it's it's just a beautiful song. So I'm going to read it for us. Read along with me. Verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This morning as we look at this psalm, as we look at this, this beautiful song that was written by David, and we don't know necessarily what, what context this was, uh, this was sung in or, or set in, but we know that it was, it was written to worship God. And as we, as we read this and as we think about this song, I think it's, I think it's easy for us to, to read these words on a Sunday morning and we talk about the beauty of what it looks like for God to reveal himself and to, to show himself through creation, through the law, through all these different things. And yet at times, I, I don't know about you, but, but we, can, we can read this in this context, but it's like, what about, what about, Sunday, what about Tuesday morning, right? Like in this context, it's, it's fun to think about like all this, the implication of what does it mean for God to reveal himself to us. But what does God revealing himself to us on Sunday morning have to do with me on Tuesday morning? Right? Because on Tuesdays, it seems like that's when we get into the, the details of life that, that threaten to, to despair. On Tuesdays, it seems like, and there's nothing wrong with Tuesdays. Maybe for you, it's Monday, right? Mon, somebody has a case of the Mondays, right? Have you ever heard that before? I don't know what that was off of. But, but like maybe, maybe for whatever day it is, but it's like, man, the, maybe it's your marriage. There's something in your marriage that's just like, man, it's hard. We had, we had a fight again about that thing right or maybe it's your kids or maybe it's your job or maybe it's your finances maybe whatever it is it's that detail of life that that makes you feel like like a sweater with a string, you know, you know where where you have those sweaters and it's like, I, I, w- I really want to pull this string. And it's like, don't pull the string, get scissors. Have you ever had that happen? And it's like, don't pull on that string. But it's like, I just got to, like, it's just there. And then you start pulling on it and it's, you know, I've never gotten that far, but you can imagine if you just keep pulling on it and then pretty soon you no longer have a sweater, you have a ball of yarn, right? Like it's it all comes apart. And I think there are times where, the details of our lives can threaten to pull us apart, can threaten to, to make us come undone, pull on the strings of our life. And the question this morning is, is what does the revelation of God in my life, how does, that, how does that keep me from unraveling? How does God revealing himself on a Sunday morning keep me from unraveling on a Tuesday? And I think, I think David answers that question in this song. Because as we look at this, if if you look at, uh, it's it's kind of cut up into sections. And in the the first six verses, you see David kind of taking a step back. And again, this is a song, and he's taking a step back, and he's looking at creation. And he says, in in verse 1, he says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. He's saying, just take a step back and look at everything. Look at the sun, look at the stars, look at the sky, look at look at everything that was made, and it is declaring. It's declaring the glory of God. It is putting God on display. And I think the first thing that we need to understand, this is kind of what they call general revelation. It's 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 saying that David's saying that when you look at creation, it should point you to something deeper than creation. It's this this general knowing that as we look at the sun, as we look at the sky, and as it pours out speech, and as it it says, hey, I'm created by something, as we look at creation, and it points us to a creator. And I think the thing that we need to understand, though, and realize that as David opens this song, he uses the term God, the, the name God in here. And we read that, and it's like, yeah, we say that all the time. Like when we talk about God, it's what other name do we give him? Most commonly, we use the name God. But I think that what David is trying to get us to understand and realize is that that is the most generic name that you could give to God. That word God is very generic. In, in, uh, in this day, it would have been the same name that was given to any God, any little g-God, Any idol, any, I mean, you think about the Ashdod and, and uh, the different idols in that day, the different, the different gods that people worship. And and David is saying, look, when you look at creation, this just helps us understand that there's something more going on here. It helps us understand that there's this general principle that when we, it's like anything else. If you look at like a, if you look at t-shirts or shoes or cars, one of the questions that maybe you don't ask this, but it's like, oh, who, who makes that? Who, who made that? Like, for me, I'm a huge texture person. I love those tri-blend, like, Bella canvas. And we've been looking at T-shirts, thinking of Salt Company coming up. And it's like, oh, who makes that one? And, and sometimes it gets awkward when I see a person. It's like, man, that T-shirt looks really soft. Can I feel that? You know, and it's like, who makes that? Let me, you know, you turn them around, you look at the tag. And, and, and it's like, well, who made that? And David's saying, we should ask the same question about our neighbor, we should ask the same question about creation. When we step back and we, when we think, oh my, like, he says, he says it's pouring out speech. Day to day, night after night, it's pouring out speech. He, he looks at the sun, and, and he, I, I love the illustration he gives in verse, verse 5. It says, it says, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. I think about a bridegroom uh, leaving its chamber. It, this could be before wedding night or after wedding night, but it's like this idea of that it comes forth and the bridegroom, it's like steps out, you know, and it's like everybody's like, ooh, you know, and or the the running its course like a strong man. Like my, my wife, she when she ran her first half marathon, she was talking about these guys who were running the full marathon. And these guys, I think they were from Kenya, and she was saying they finished it faster than most people finished the half marathon. And at the end of the marathon, the guy who finished first, like he was smiling. I think he even turned around and ran the last part of it backwards. It's like, what? Right? I mean, how many miles is a marathon? 20, 26 miles. If I ran 26 miles, well, no, that there's no end to that. There's, that wouldn't happen. Right? Right? And he's saying, when we look at the sun and when we look at creation, the sun, as it finishes its course, it's like it's doing it in joy. It's, it's making everybody look at it. And the sun's basically saying, look at me. I'm awesome. Look how big I am. Look how hot. And like it's, it's proclaiming. But it doesn't stop there. He's saying it's, it's pointing to something else. It's saying, look at me, I'm awesome, and, and guess what? Somebody made me. Ravi Zacharias, I, I, Todd was telling me, he, he said, you know, a kid, when they t- ask about the sun, they always ask, who made that? There's this ingrained understanding that as we look at creation, there's a creator. Right? And, and I think that, that what, what we see there is it says it's heat. There's nothing hidden from its heat. All these words that are, that are being poured out, they go everywhere. Paul says the same thing. I have it up on the screen. In Romans 1, 19 through 20, he says, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. What he's saying there and what David's saying there is that as we look at creation, it points to something deeper. It points to a creator but the beautiful thing there is he doesn't stop there. And I think, because I, I think that when we look at that, when we look at that, that general, uh, general revelation, it reminds me of like if I were walking through the woods and I hate snakes. I don't know about you, but I believe that they're still the devil. And, and as I, if I'm walking through the woods and I see a snake skin, right? We all know that snakes grow by shedding their skin. If I see a snake skin on the path, that's going to change the way I view my surroundings. Like, it doesn't matter how I was viewing it before that, and, like, beautiful day, like, oh, I mean, I'm loving this stuff, just enjoying outside. I love nature, enjoying that. If I see a snakeskin, it's now a horror movie. Like, the, the music, you know, the da, da, that's Jaws. But whatever, whatever horror music, now it's like I'm on a survival mission, right? Like, because like, I know that there is something that's behind the skin, there's something that's... And now it's bigger than just the skin I'm looking at because I know it grew, right? It changes my perception of my surroundings. And I was talking to Stan about this, and he was saying, I, that, it seems really negative. I don't want people to think about God in a negative way. But see, I think that we have to understand that David, as he's talking about this general revelation, I think that if, if that's all we had, it should leave us a little uncomfortable. As, as David looks at the sun... And, I, and I, I opened up a few, like you can find anything on the internet and you open up, you ask one question, how big is our solar system? And that leads you to all these different, different things, these rabbit trails. As I was thinking about the sun this past week, like just a few things, that like when you look at the sun, the reality is you can line up 109 earths. To, and, and that would be the, the face of the sun. 109 of our earths would be the face of the sun. Like if, you, if, if the, the sun, according to this guy, NASA's solar scientist, C. Alex Young, he said if the sun were hollow, it would take about 1 million earths to fill it. 1 million earths to fill up the sun. How crazy is that? And, and now we know that the sun is actually just like meh in, in size, like, it's medium compared to all the other stars in our solar system or in our, in our galaxy. It, it, this guy said the sun is one of about 200 billion stars or perhaps more just in the Milky Way galaxy alone. And it's just medium. Medium. Right? You know, when you, when you think about that, and then, and then it, uh, it goes on to say, astronomers have discovered more than 2,500 other stars with planets orbiting around them just in our solar system. And our solar system is 100,000 light years in diameter, and, and compared to, to the other, our galaxy, and compared to other galaxies, it's just medium, like, and all these numbers, as I was thinking about that, and as I was thinking about what David is writing here, as he's, as he's proclaiming, guys, if all we had was just that, all we had was just that, like looking at the sun, then I think we should be in a place where, like the snakeskin, where it's like, man, something made this. And if the sun's that big, how big is the thing that made the sun? If our galaxy is that big, if, if even looking at our own flesh, if if we are so intricate, what must the creator be like? See, what David is doing is he's taking a step back and he's first looking at this general revelation. He's looking at creation. He's saying that should leave us in awe if that's all we had. But praise God, that's not all we have. We, We don't just have the general name of God. We don't just have this general understanding that something made all of this. He goes on in, in his song in seven through nine, it changes. He goes from creation to the law. And and when I first read this, it's like, man, that seems like a weird like left turn. But again, this is all about God revealing himself to his people. And the question is, how does that keep us from unraveling? On a Tuesday, right? When we think about that on a Sunday. And as, as, as we think about creation and then, and then David says, let's just narrow it down a little bit. Let's, God not only wants us to know him through creation, but he wants us to know him more intimately than that. And over and over and over again in, in uh, 7 through 9, we see the name the Lord given six different times. The law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is over and over and over again. We see the name the Lord. And I think that's so key in looking at this song because when when we go from God, this general, it could be anybody out there. It could be Zeus. And if he has a bad day, I could be dead. It goes from just this general like unease to the Lord. And that name, the Lord, it's the covenant name of God. It's the covenant name of God. It goes from super general to really personal. Because when, when God gives his people this name, his name, it's, it's, like, it's like me. When I, whenever I introduce myself to people and if I'm introducing myself and my wife, I'll say, yeah, you know, obviously my name is Luke. This is my wife. Albertine. I call her Albertine. You can call her Allie. Like, only I call her Albertine. (laughs) It's like, I have to go, and Stan always gives me a hard time. He's like, why do you do that? It's like, I don't know. I don't know why I do that. It just feels weird for me to call her Allie, because I get to call her Albertine. That's, that's like, that is her given name. It's not just like a nickname or whatever. It's her given name, but it's like, for me, it's, it's this Close relational connection that I have with her that not many people do. And I think it's a beautiful example of what we have with God. When, when it says over and over and over again, it goes from this general understanding that you can look at creation and know that something somewhere out there created it to saying, no, I want you to know me more than that. And we see in Exodus, in Exodus, we, we see in Exodus 24 where God gives his name to his people, where God makes this covenant with his people. And there's this beautiful ceremony, and, and, and God is bringing his people out of slavery. And for 400 years, they've had this identity as slaves, and, and they're, they're in bondage and all these different things. And, and he's saying, but that's not your identity, I want to make you into something new. I want to give you a new. You're not just slaves. You're more than that. Let me tell you who you're becoming. Let me let me let me show you who I want you to be. And 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 the people are like, oh yes, we want you. We want you. And 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 it ends with this this feast with the people and God like a wedding ceremony. And then what we see is David gives a song, and there's these different things where it says, when we allow God to reveal himself more fully to us, we begin to look more like him. Because when God gives his covenant name to his people, they're coming out of a place of slavery. They don't know who they are. All they think they are is slaves. And God's saying, no, you're more than that. Let me show you who I am so that you can become who I want you to be. And I think the prayer of David, the reality is when we allow God to reveal himself more completely in our lives, our lives look more and more like him. David goes on to talk about six different ways that this happens. First of all, he says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. That, that word perfect, it, it literally means complete or whole. It's, it's entire. It's, it's all there. And he says it, it revives the soul. When we, when we read God's word, when we, when we look, because this is, this is the law of the Lord. And, and when it says the law of the Lord, testimony of the Lord, precepts of the Lord, commandments fear, like all of that, it's just different ways to say what God handed down to Moses and what we now have today here. And so when he says the law of the Lord is, is perfect, it's complete, everything we need to know about who God is, what he's done for us, what he thinks about us, it's in here, right? And we can, we can know him more through his revelation to us. It's, it's complete, and, and I love where, where we, we, we look at different places throughout scripture where we can see, okay, what does God think about me? And I, I was just reading in Zechariah the other day and zechariah three one through five I think is a good example of this It says Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him, and the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you is not this a brand plucked from the fire? See we see in this in zechariah this is a this is a, a, a a revelation given to Zechariah from God where he sees the Israelites before God, before his throne. And Joshua, the high priest, is the one who's representing all of Israel. And we see that Joshua is standing before God, representing all of Israel, and we see Satan is there getting ready to accuse him getting ready to, to say all the things that he's done, getting ready to say, oh, you can't be here. You, think about who you are. Think about what you've done. But before he even gets a word out, don't you love that? He's, he's ready to accuse. Before he even gets a word out, God speaks up. and is like, no, 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 no. All right, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. And he says it again, the Lord rebuke you. He says, no, don't, don't, don't do that because I have saved him. I have plucked him out of the fire, meaning I have rescued this people. You can't say anything about it. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That as we stand before God, God is redeeming us. God is making our case. God is saying, no, it's not about who they were. It's about who I am making them into. It's about this new identity that he goes on we go on to read Zechariah 3. It says, Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy rags, and the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy rags from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head, so they, can, so they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. You see what, what happened there? See, he's standing and Satan is about to accuse him and he's, he's just in filthy garments in this place where he's supposed to be clean, he's supposed to be pure and God says, no, I'm going to rescue you and, and guess what, I'm, I'm going to make you clean. I'm going to give you the things you need to be in my presence, and, and that whole bit about the turban, it's like, well, I don't wear a turban. You're right. right. But in this context, the turban for the priest, it had this gold plate on it that said, holy to the Lord. It was this representation that when we go before God, we can be fully accepted. And in this revelation, God is saying, you can be accepted because of what I have done for you, not because of what you can do for yourself. That's what God's word says about us. And David says, when we understand that everything we need to know about who God is and, and who we are in his sight is in here, that revives our soul. It brings life to us. That's where life comes from, is when we know more about God, when we, when we allow him to reveal more of himself to us. He goes on to say, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Sure, it means it can be trusted. It can be banked on. We can we can.'" We can trust the testimony of God. It says makes wise the simple. I think sometimes when I think of that word simple, I think of like foolish or idiotic or just stupid. But, but not only, I, I, I mean, there's connotations of that, but, but more than that, it just means simple. It means those who haven't been instructed. And he says it makes wise the Simple. When, when we look through God's word, there, there are places in there where we can trust it and we can bank on it. And, and I, Stan and I were talking the other day that me personally, I hate conflict. I hate conflict. I, I don't do it well. I feel like I always screw up or, I, you know, I just, you know, it's like, ah, I'm done. Right? But, but he, he was he's saying, hey, Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. That's, that's from God's word. That's from him revealing more of himself. And as I thought about that, I thought, that's true. So as I'm seeking to multiply kisses, what does that say? Because the reality is I don't want to be an enemy. I don't want to be a person who just seeks to multiply kisses and so therefore I'm an enemy. I want to be a person who really loves people well. And so at times, that means there comes wounds. That means to lean into conflict. That's what God's word says. And it instructs. And and even as Stan and I were talking, we we were talking, I can't remember the context, but we were talking about Proverbs 10, 19, where it says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And Stan was like, yeah, you're right. I need to talk less. (laughs) Because that when we when we look at God's word and when we try and figure out, all right, how do we become people who walk in wisdom? If if we're talking more than we're listening, God's word says that's a problem. Right? And it, it goes it goes on and on and on as we as we look through God's word, there are so many areas where, where it can make wise the simple if we trust it. And yet at times what we do is we we want we want to open up and we say, okay, God, um, who should I marry? And they will call upon me, but I will not answer. What? Like, I just seriously read that. Like, how crazy is that? That is like, that is a God thing right there. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Okay, let's try again. You know, maybe if I shake it like an eight ball, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the I mean, that's getting better. But we, we, want, to, we want to come at it and it's like, God, what, what job should I take? where should i move What? Should, what? Should, like we want it to be like a gps and we just type in our requests and then it just takes us but but i believe what we get from god's word is we get wisdom where we can be people where maybe it doesn't tell you who you should marry but it but it gives you like directions on on what to look for in a person to marry Maybe it doesn't tell you what job to take or where to move, but it, but it helps you understand what kind of person you should be so that when those jobs come along, you know what questions to ask. You know where your heart should be. You know where your mind should be, right? It makes us people who are wise as we allow God to reveal himself more fully into our lives. He goes on, the, verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. That, that idea of right, it makes me think of like a plumb line. I remember I, I used to uh, do construction with my uncle and we'd, we'd uh, remodel cabinets and, and just kitchens and all these different things. And you get into some situations where it's like everything just seems off. There's, there's not a level place. It, like we were, we were remodeling this old house. and We are trying to put cabinets in. But there was no level surface whatsoever. And so we needed something that would give us a level starting point. So we got a plumb line out and it was like, okay, this is what we can know to be level. This is what we can know to be sure. And so anything that doesn't line up with this plumb line, it is not level. And there are times where, where we can walk through this life and there are so many different messages coming at us. There are so many different things that make us think, okay, but this is level or this is level. And it's like we need that thing that's right. We need that plumb line so that our hearts can be rejoicing because there are times where lies come in. Maybe it's those times that threaten to unravel us and there's lies and, and we can believe lies when it comes to sickness or, or anger or these different things or, or insecurity about our finances or trade wars and all we can begin to 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 believe lies but i believe what david's saying but when we come back to the plumb line even when our hearts threaten to to go into despair we can rejoice in what is true and what is right and what is what is level he says the the, the commandment of the lord is pure enlightening the eyes Guys, just think about that. Like, think about the imagery here. We've all been in that situation, or maybe, hopefully, uh, maybe not hopefully, I don't know. But we've all been in that situation, I believe, where, you know, maybe you're laying down and it's like, oh, I forgot that one thing. And for some reason, for me, it's like a challenge not to turn the lights on. And it's like, I bet I can get to where I'm at, to where I need to be, and back without breaking my toe. And lots of times it happens, lots of times it doesn't. And it's like, but if I just turn the light on, right? If I just turned the light on, I wouldn't smoke my foot on something or, or hit the coffee table even or, or step on that last Lego that the kids are, you know, like. And I think lots of times we wander through life. We wander through life. And yet what, what David is saying here is he's saying, look, the, the command of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. When we open up God's word and when we begin to see more of who he is, it shines light on our paths. Right? He goes on. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. There's, there's so much that we can say we can't, we can't talk about. But the, as, as I was thinking about this, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. I think about like when I was growing up, where there'd be times where I'd be hanging out with my sister and my cousins and different things. And my, my, my sister would be like, you need to, and she was pretty rough, but she'd be like, you need to go clean the downstairs. And it's like, no, I'm going to hang out with my cousin. And it's like, who do you fear more, me or your cousin? It's like, okay, I'll go clean the downstairs, right? Because it's like very clear. If I disobeyed her, she would either slap me or tell my, I mean, I had a rough childhood, right? Or she would do something. But the game changed when my parents got home. Because if my sister would ask me, well, who do you fear more, me or dad? It's like, dad. Like, hands down, right? The game changed. Everything changed when it's like, do you fear my cousin or me more? Well, you. But, but you add something else into the mix. And it changes. I, I, thinking about this, it's like the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. I, I believe that what that means, what David means, is that we can bring ourselves in alignment and say, God, you are my God. I will follow you. What you tell me is what I will do. And there's not going to be anybody else that comes along It's like, well, how about now? You didn't know I existed, did you? It's like, nope, I'm still going to fear the Lord. I'm still following him. It, that is enduring forever. We can trust that when we put our trust in God, there is nobody else that's going to come along that we should trust in more than him. Right? He, he goes on, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It means that we can trust him. It means that as we, as we see God reveal more of himself through his word, through his law, it means it's right Altogether, we can trust him. And there, I, I know that there are parts where it's like, man, I, I don't, I don't understand what's happening with this in the world, or I don't understand this part of scripture, I don't understand all these different things. But the reality is, as he's saying, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. I believe what that means is that even when the world is is just insecure, we can walk rightly because we have the revelations of God. Right, we can press into him. We can we can learn more. We can have our paths enlightened. And and I love how he goes on in verse ten to kind of like I don't know. He, it's like he's he's saying, man, this is what this is how we should view this in verse ten. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, the and drippings of the honeycomb. God, as I was, as I was reading this, I was like. If I'm, if I'm honest, there's parts of me where it's like, man, I, I don't always look at scripture like that. Right? But, and remember, this is a song, right? This is a song that David's writing. And, and it seems as though at times it's like, more to be desired than gold, even much finer, sweeter than honey. It seems like what he's doing is like every other songwriter and just overstating things. Right, we all know how songwriters do that, right? Todd and I were laughing about that, that song. Um, uh, how does it start out? Superman's Got Nothing on Me. You guys know that song? I'm only one call away. Everybody's like, "No, I don't know that song." So there's oh man, you guys, listen to the radio sometime, right? There's this song where he's like, "Oh, su- baby, I'll be there, right? Just call me. Superman's got nothing on me. I'm going to be there. To, you just got to call me." It's like, "Seriously, Superman's got nothing on you? Maybe heat vision? Maybe he can fly? Like you got a phone and you're saying Superman like he's overstating things. It's like, "I'm I'm going to call Superman if I have a problem," right? I Thanks, buddy. But, like, I think that what David's doing is he's overstating, but he's not overselling. He's overstating. He's saying, you should desire, we should desire this more than gold. Like, if you think about that, what does gold bring us? Even, he, he says more than, than fi- even much fine gold. What does gold bring us? What does money bring us? Doesn't it, doesn't it bring us opportunity? Like, if you... I mean, national treasures, right? You, you find a cave and it's full of gold. Like what's going through your mind? Sports cars, houses, kids college, out of debt, like all of the status, all of these different things, right? And I, I think what he's saying there is he's saying, no, but, but you don't understand all of that is fleeting. Everything that we can get from gold, even if it's much fine gold, it's fleeting, it's temporary. He's saying when we allow God to reveal himself to us, we have something that is eternal, that we can hold on to as we become people who are being changed by God's revelation to us. That's eternal. That's worth more than any status that this world can give us. Any, It's worth more than anything we can buy with that gold. He goes on to say it's, it's sweeter than honey. even Even the honey, like... I was thinking about, like, I don't really like honey very much. Like, some people, like Jake, he lives with us. He went to the farmer's market the other day, and he's super pumped because they had honey. It's like, okay, great, right? Like, I was thinking about, it's like, if this were the Luke translation, I think it would say something like, um, uh, sweeter also than a dove chocolate bar filled with caramel. Or even sweeter than Andy's ice frozen custard, even... Frozen custard dripping out of that Andy's machine that you see through the window that the, the custard just keeps pouring out. It's like, it's even sweeter than that. I was thinking about that. It's like, how often do I view the Bible in that way? How often do I view God's word that way? I, I think sometimes, lots of times, if I were to honest, I think I would view it more as medicine. Where it's like, I know I need this. Right? I, I know I, I need to wake up early. I know I need to be in this. I know I need to, to read this more. But it's like exercise. right? And yet David, he's saying, no, this is, this is better. It's sweeter. It's, it, it brings us more opportunity. It brings us things that, that are eternal. And I think that if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, I believe what David is saying is, he's saying, view God's word in this way. The revelation of God. And, and guys, maybe, maybe we don't view it this way. Maybe it's because we don't understand the value of what we've been given. Maybe it's because we, we, we don't really see it as sweet, because maybe we don't really want to, to know all the things that, that God would give to us. He, we don't know all the things that, that God would have us say. It's, and maybe it's, it's like, you know, it says stuff like love your enemies, and it's like, man, I, I don't know about that. Maybe we read stories about people having to give everything away for the sake of following God. It's like, I, I don't know if I'd be about that. I, I don't know if I would be about loving people that I don't really like. And so, therefore, I'm not really going to do that. And so, we just read it as words on a page instead of something that, that would be sweet and something that, that would be incredibly beneficial to us. It's like my kids. Last night, we went to uh, the World Refugee Night thing uh, that was happening on Broadway and, and my kids were like, We don't really wanna go. Like don't you know, do we have to go? And and we were like, No, yeah, we're all gonna go. It's gonna be good and at the end of it, my kids were like, Oh, that was really fun. We I appreciate that. Like and my wife was like, I know you I know what, what you love. I know what's good. I know, I know what you would like to do. You just got to trust me and walk in it. But what if my kids would have stayed home? What if we would have said, all right, fine, you, you can stay home. I think the next time we said, all right, we're going to go do something together, they'd be like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't want to do that. Instead, they experienced something that they actually loved. And I think for us, as we experience God revealing more of himself to us, if it just remains words on a page, it's never going to be sweet. We're never going to see it as beneficial. I I love how how David begins to wrap this psalm up. His response, verse 12, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. I think that what he's saying there is he's saying, when he says, who shall discern his sin? He's saying, as I look at God, through creation through his word as god is revealing more of himself to me i'm realizing god i can't do this by myself how how can i even discern my sin like god god i i don't want to be ruled by anything that's not you god i want my heart to be revived i want i want wisdom i want to rejoice in you i want all these different things i want you god god i want i want more of you and yet there's this, there's this idea of like, I don't, I don't know how to do that without you. And I believe that when, when we understand this, when we understand that it's so good, when God reveals more of himself, I believe what he's saying there is he's saying, God, give me more of you so I can be more like you. God, let me, let my heart come in line with yours. As a person who's coming out of slavery, God, let my identity be what you would give it to me. Let me see you more clearly. Let my heart come alive. You see, because I believe the answer to not unraveling on on a Tuesday morning is taking our focus off of us and putting it back on God. To step back in creation and just look at the amazing things God has done. To look at God's word and allow it to to revive our hearts, to allow it to give us sight, to allow it to give us wisdom. See, this this is all about God revealing himself to us. And the reality is that he's still doing that. He's still doing that in creation. He's still doing that through his word. But not only that, as, as, I, look at, as I look at David, the, just the last lines of this beautiful song, David says this in Psalm 1914. He says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. See, as we come into this place where we understand that God revealing himself to us, it changes us into looking more like him. I believe that what David is saying is he's saying, God, change me. Continue to change me. Continue to make me wise. Continue to, to open up my, my mind. Help, help my, the, the words of my mouth and the meditation, the things that I talk about, the things that I think about, the, the person that I am. Help me to come more in line with that because, because I believe God is still revealing himself through creation. I believe God is still revealing himself through his word, but he doesn't stop there. I believe he's still revealing himself through people who look more like him. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 5, 20-21, or 2 Corinthians. says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see that? Do you see that God wants us to know him and he's still doing that when, when, when people who are walking in our culture and in, in this world who are walking in fear of what might be or the, the next thing that the politicians might say or, or what the next sickness might be. And when, when they're walking in fear and they see people walking in confidence because of what they believe to be true about God and how they've allowed God to change their hearts, that reveals more of God. I believe that when, when the world around us, when people around us are walking around in darkness and they don't know the hope that we can have in Jesus and when they see people walking in that hope, that reveals more of God. God is revealing himself to those people. When, when the world around us and when people around us are walking in counterfeit happiness and they see people who walk in true joy even when their surroundings seem to not warrant it, I believe that's God revealing himself through us. See, guys, when we come to this place where we stop and step back and when we see God more clearly and when we say, God, you are God, O Lord my rock, Am I redeemer? I believe that it takes us out of this place of uh, what, what might happen. Am I gonna be unraveled? What if I pull on this string? What if I pull on this thread? I believe the way that we stop being unraveled is we put our hope on him. And guys, not only that, but as we allow God to reveal himself to us more completely and as we become people who look more and more like him, God is not only revealing himself to us, but he's revealing himself through us to the world around us. And so this morning, this morning, maybe for you, maybe you need to take a step back, even today, and just take a walk. And look at the sun, not too long, but, but for a while, right? And just take everything in and just, just feel your place in all of this. See God. Maybe for you, you just need to spend more time allowing God to reveal himself to you through his word. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I do know that God is still revealing himself, not only to you, but to to your neighbor. So as we say, God, let let the meditation of my heart, let the words of my mouth, let it be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Guys, I pray that that is our heart's desire as we experience more of God. And this morning, I think this is just a great segue into communion. Because the way, the way we respond almost every week here at Anthem Church, as we, as we hear God's word, as we, we take communion together, and there's communion tables set up around the room, there's gluten-free in the, in the back corners if, if you need that. But as we go to these tables this morning, my prayer is that, that as, you, as you break off a piece of that bread that represents God's body, which was broken for you, and as you dip it in the cup, which represents God's blood, which was poured out for you, my prayer is that you would come to a place where, where you are allowing God to reveal more of himself in you so that you can re- reveal more of God through you. So that re- he can reveal himself through you so that, that when, you, when, you, when you participate in this truth, and when you, when you continue to understand what God has done for you through Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice of, of Christ on the cross, that his body was broken, his blood was poured out for you, that that would continue to change you by, by him revealing more of himself to you, that would continue to change you. And we would go out from this place being people who not only have God revealed to us, but are having God revealed through us. Right? So as the, as the worship team comes, they're going to play. And whenever you're ready... Whatever that looks like for you, whenever you're ready, just, just take some time. And whenever you're ready, as you think about these truths, as you think about who God is and what he has revealed to you, I'm just going to invite you to, to go and, and take communion. And then as we come back together, we're going to continue worshiping uh, just in this truth that God is, God is so good. So let's, let's pray for us. God, I, I, I thank you for your, your grace and your mercy. God, I praise you that even when we don't do this well, God, even, even when we walk, uh, just trying to walk through those dark rooms and we smoke our toes on the coffee table or whatever it might be. God, I praise you that there is so much grace for us. And God, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us, even here this morning. God, maybe, maybe there are things this morning that are threatening to unravel uh, people in here. And God, I pray that you would just enlarge their vision of who you are, not only through your creation, but through, through your word and through your revelation to us through your word. And God, I pray that you would help us to see you more clearly. God, help us to walk out from this place, just continue to be changed by that revelation so that, God, you would be able to reveal yourself not only to us but through us. I love you, God, and I praise you for your your mercy. I praise you for what you want to do and what you're continuing to do, and it's in your name. Amen.